Thank you for tuning into the Apostolic Pentecostal Church podcast. You are currently listening to one of our iGrow series lessons. If you're in the Bloomington, Illinois area and want to sit in person, feel free to join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship in the Word. Can't make it in person? No big deal. Find us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram and search Apostolic Pentecostal Church. Either way, we'd love to fellowship and worship with you. We hope to see you. If you're not here for biblical finance, you're probably in the wrong class. Huh? Biblical finances. So we're going to talk about money tonight. It's a, it's a great subject. Uh, starting off, we're going to, I'm going to give you a few points here. God is serious about finances. How many believe God's serious about finances? Amen. He is very serious about finances. There's 2,300 uh, scriptures in the Word dealing with money and possessions. Now, that right there should tell you that God is interested in and He's serious about finances. There's 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money and possessions. Nearly half. Uh, Nearly 25% of of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship. One out of ten verses in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John, deal with money. First Timothy 6, 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. So when you see evil, follow the money. Trace it back. The Scripture tells us that the root of that. Not, and you can't go with the surface. You can't go with the branches. You've got to go back to the root. If you follow the money, you'll find out that, there's, that, that the root of evil is the love of money. Not money, but the love of money. Okay? Uh, since the Lord is the Alpha and the Omega, He knows all about money uh, and the lack thereof. He knows that uh, we'll be tempted to mishandle it. He knows that we'll be tempted to worship it. He knows that we'll be tempted to waste it. I believe that's why it's mentioned so many times in the Scripture. And, and we're living in a day where ministers are reluctant to speak about it, to, to preach about it, to, to teach about it. Because uh, people don't want to be told how to handle the money. Uh, we, we want God to tell us how to not sin, but we don't want God to instruct us on how to handle our money. That's, that's a different area. We carve that out. right? God don't have any business telling you anything about your money, right? So, therefore, money and finances are left out and you get very, very little instruction uh, in the church, in the religious realm. Concerning money, there's a guy named Dave Ramsey who, you know, does some, and and uh, uh, a lot of churches try to try to buy his stuff and say, here you, you people study this instead of digging it out and teaching it themselves. The pastors just they don't want to get caught in. The, I'll be the bad guy to, tonight. I'll be the one that hurts your feelings. Okay, y'all look at, <coughs> look at me and say it'll get better after I leave this class. <laughs> We find that the Bible contains our instructions, but we must take charge of our finances, Karen. The government's not coming to help you. Your get-rich-quick schemes are not going to work. Your rich uncle is probably going to die, and you're going to find out he's willed it to charity. So you, in your notes, have to mentally decide that you are the boss as it relates to your finances. There's nobody going to come and bail you out. If you're uh, not good with money, you're still the boss. The buck stops here. If, uh, if you uh, don't have the biblical knowledge concerning money, you're not going to pass it on to somebody else. You're still going to reap what you sow. It's still going to be left up to you. Uh, if you're not good with math, doesn't matter. If you're not good with an Excel spreadsheet, if, you're, if your big talent and gifting is in English and you can't do two plus two, doesn't matter. You're still responsible for your own finances. Uh, even if you can't balance a checkbook or reconcile a bank account, you don't get an exemption. You are responsible for your own finances. I'm going to give you three biblical examples of wrong behavior that we have in our scripture. There we go. We're going to talk for a few minutes about Achan, Gehazi, and 
Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, and from these, I want you to formulate some principles that you need to avoid. Achan was a, a, a member of the, the tribes that came out of uh, Egypt, and, and uh, he was one of the ones that Joshua led into the promised land. And the first battle they came to was Jericho. And God said, I want you to go in, and I want you to, to utterly wipe out and run out the, the women, the children, the cattle, the sheep, the goats, uh, everything that's there, I want you to destroy it. And I want you to leave the gold and the silver uh, and the Babylonian garments. I want you to leave these certain precious items and they're for me. That was the instructions that God gave Joshua and Joshua gave the people. When the walls fell down flat, um, there was a man named Achan and he saw some things. He saw some silver and some gold and he took it and he hid it in his tent. Nobody knew about it. He's a pretty sneaky little fella. And so God didn't say anything to, uh, to Joshua. Uh, nobody said anything. So they go to their next battle and 38 men die. And J Joshua gets on his face and he's, he's, he doesn't know what happened. They had such a great victory at Jericho. Why did they, why did they get defeated at Ai? And he's crying, he's weeping, he's saying well, maybe we should have just stayed and not come into the promised land. And he's praying to the Lord. And uh, the Lord speaks to him. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 10, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel has sinned. Well, this is Joshua's first understanding or, or first time he's learned that there's something wrong. He just thought that they got defeated at Ai. He didn't know that, that they were the cause of it, that something that the children of Israel had done wrong. Uh, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. God said, somebody in your camp took my stuff and put it in their stuff. Stuff that was holy, stuff that was set apart, stuff that God said was His and belonged to Him. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their, uh, their enemies, but turned their backs because they were accursed. Okay, and so then <clears throat> God gives him instructions. He has to get in front of all the tribes and he narrows it down and 11 of them are eliminated and he... And then he, he finds the tribe, and then he has to narrow it down to the family. And he, God leads him through the whole thing, and, it, and, and the, uh, the lot falls on this guy, Achan, that we're, we're talking about. And Achan uh, ends up, you know, coming clean. Here's what Achan says, Joshua 7, 21. When I saw among the spoils goodly Babylonian garments and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver's underneath that. At least he, at some point in this whole uh, activity, he comes clean and he tells the truth. And um, so here's what happens. Um, Joshua told Achan, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they were stoned. Uh, he and his wife and his family, his whole family was destroyed. Um, not hard to see that that was a very displeasing thing. Taking something that didn't belong to you, taking something that God had instructed you to leave alone and, uh, and hiding it and you see the repercussions, how, how they lost the battle and then they end up being, uh, 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 being stoned. Uh, the gold and the silver they Achan stole was stolen from God Himself. The precious metals were to be added to the treasury of the Lord and in stealing them, Achan robbed God directly. Achan's disobedience was also an insult to God's holiness. The Bible doesn't give us God's exact reason for destroying or stoning and burning Achan. Although Proverbs gives us a hint. It says in Proverbs 15, 27, does um, a greedy man brings trouble to his family? A greedy man brings trouble to his family. Principles in the Word. 
from the stories, from the history, you can pick up principles. Um, the account of Achan and Jericho also speaks of a, another principle called the principle of the first fruit. Okay, <clears throat> when Cain uh, offered, he offered his works back in Genesis four. When Abel offered, the Bible says he brought the firstling of his flock. He brought the, he brought God the best he had. Okay, and that's what God wants. He doesn't want our leftovers. He didn't want. Uh, uh, when you're tired and wrung out, then you then you decide to pray. He, he doesn't want when it's the thirtieth of the month and you got ten dollars left in the account to you, to go ahead and give that to the Lord. He wants to be up front. He wants to be first. David declared that he would not give God something that didn't cost him something or cost him anything. Proverbs three and nine says, "Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of all thine increase." Honor the Lord. With thy substance and the first fruit of all thy increase. Exodus 23 19. The first of the first fruit of the land thou shalt bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. Jericho was the first city of the Canaanites which Israel encountered. First one. Uh, it was the only one that God commanded them to take the treasury, the silver, the gold. The people who really know the Bible tell me there were t- 10 major battles in Canaan for the Israelites, and this was the first, the tithe, the tenth, the first fruit. It was like the first fruit offering to the Lord. Moses was commanded that when they harvested their their fields, that they were supposed to, uh, they were not supposed to just eat everything they harvested, but they were supposed to take the first of the fruit from the harvest year by year that they produced and give it to the priest of the Lord. The first fruit was set apart and it was holy unto the Lord. That's a principle, you know. Uh, I don't know if you if you're tithing and you pay a thousand dollars a month. I don't know that your blessing is greater if you give it on the 29th or the first. But I kind of think it's better if you if you write the check on the first. That's just that's just the way I've done it for for 40 years, and God's proven Himself. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm going to teach you stuff that works. You can decide to live by it or, or trash it. But I, I, I've lived it, and I've seen it in His Word, and I know that God is not the author of confusion. I know God can't lie. So uh, <clears throat> God is very serious about finance. The second guy here, these two are not cartoons, but I got a little cartoon on this guy. He's a Gehazi. Gehazi was a servant of Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 5, there was a, there was a Syrian. He wasn't a Jew, Jewish man, but he was a Syrian. His name was Naaman. And Naaman had leprosy. And in a previous battle or a war, the Syrians had taken this little Jewish girl captive and Naaman, she ended up in Naaman's house as his handmaid. And she knew that there was a prophet in Israel, and she told her, her uh, his wife, she told Naaman's wife, that if Naaman go over there to Israel and find the prophet, the Lord would heal him from that leprosy. And leprosy was um, a death sentence. Your skin just rotted off of you. There was no um, cure for leprosy in that day. So the word gets to the king of Syria, and he sends... 6,000 pieces of, of gold and a bunch of silver and a bunch of garments. Uh, they say that is the equivalent in today's dollars of, well, this was 20 years ago, it was $6 million, probably $10 million. So that gives you some idea of how valuable Naaman was to the nation of, of Syria that the king would give him $10 million to take and go to Israel on a chance that maybe this little handmaid knew what she was talking about. So he gets over, first place he goes is to the king of Israel, and he gets in front of the king, and the king don't have a clue. He, he's not a, a spiritual man. He rips, back then they rent their clothes. Wasn't that a foolish thing to do? <laughs> he just rips his clothes. <laughs> and he, the only thing he can figure, the reason that this guy from Syria is coming over to him and saying this crazy stuff about, can you heal me? He said, I can't. I can't make people live or die. I can't, you know, I'm not in charge of that. He, so he figures that Syria must be starting a fight. They must be trying to pick a war. And so word gets to the prophet Elijah, and Elijah says, come to me. And so Elijah 
doesn't even come out of the house and sends his servant out and tells him to go dip seven times the Jordan River. He goes and he, well, he get, first he gets mad, but uh, then he reasons. He goes and he obeys and he gets healed of his leprosy. He goes back to pay the prophet Elisha and Elisha said, I don't want any of your stuff. Now, T-Bone, I know if you're a pastor and, and you laid hands on somebody and healed them and they brought you $10 million, you just say, no, thank you. <laughs> Bishop, I know you've done that probably a bunch of times in your life. But Gehazi was a servant and he saw this happening. He's observing the 10 million. He's kind of got glassy eyes. He's looking at it and he's looking at his boss saying, no, thank you. We don't want that. And uh, so when the dust kind of settles and Naaman is heading back to Syria, Gehazi chases him down and says, um, my boss changed his mind. I'll read to you what he says. 2 Kings 5.22 My master has sent me saying, Behold, uh, even now there be come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garment. Doesn't sound like he was asking a whole lot. But anyway, uh, he lied. There hadn't been any two people show up. Uh, this was all a lie. He's, he's trying to get some... He saw that big wallet that Naaman had. He's trying to get some of it. I guess he figured it'd be easier to make that trip if he didn't have so much stuff to take back. So, And so uh, when he gets back, he gets the, the... Naaman is very pleased to give him what he asked for. He thinks that, that the prophet sent him. So when he gets back... Uh, I'll read you what happens. Uh, when he went in, he stood before his master. That's Elisha. Elisha said unto him, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And he said, uh, Thy servant went nowhere. No whither. Nowhere. That's another lie. And he said unto him, Went not mine heart with thee? When thou... Uh, when the man turned again from his chariot to meet thee, is it time to receive money or to receive garments or olive yards or vineyards or sheep or oxen or men servants or maid servants? The leprosy, therefore, that uh, was on Naaman shall cleave unto you and unto thy seed forever. And he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. Greed. Lying to get money. Trying to get money under false pretenses. A principle in God's Word. What, is he, what happens to him? He gets the leprosy that Naaman had way back when he was in Syria. That same leprosy ends up on Gehazi and Gehazi's family because of his, because of his action related to <coughs> finances. And that's what we're talking about. Biblical finances. That's what you need to understand. Biblical finances. Finances. Thirdly, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 5, we have Ananias and Sapphira. Very familiar story. Uh, what they were doing in the book of Acts was when the Holy Ghost fell, they began to have, the Bible says, all things common. So uh, everybody was selling their, their stuff and bringing all the money and giving it to Peter, James, and John. And they were the treasurers. Or they, were, they were keeping it. And so you didn't have anything. If you needed to go to the grocery store, I guess what was happening is you went to Peter and said, Peter, I need to go buy a grocery store. And he gave him enough money to go buy groceries. So it was all, they, were, they sold everything they had and gave it all to Peter. Pretty good gig for Peter. Well, Ananias and Sapphira sold their land. And they sold it for this much and they came and told Peter that they sold it for this much and led him to believe that that was the entire price. So they, let's say they sold it for 10000 and they came and gave him seven. And, they, and he said, you sold your land for seven? Oh yeah, sold it for seven. And I'm sure y'all have read it. Peter looks at, at Ananias and he said, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? You could have kept your land. You could have kept your money. But you're lying. And uh, guys, can y'all come help me with this funeral? <laughs> and Ananias falls down dead. Now that's a church service. <laughs> when, when you start having those kind of moves of God, brother, you have in church. And three hours later, I think it was three hours later, his wife comes in, Sapphira. 
And I guess the grapevine didn't work back then like it does at APC. Because <laughs> she hadn't even heard that her husband was dead. And she came in and Peter said, did you sell that land for $7,000? Using my example. And she said, yeah, that's exactly what it was, $7,000. He said, well, come on guys, same guys that buried your husband coming to bury you. Pow, she fell down dead. Sorry. Well, I'll turn around. That's, that's Ananias there. I guess that's a little bit before his wife was. How would you like to go to church and have two dead bodies carried out for lying to the Holy Ghost? Lying about what? Money. So God is very serious about finances. And God views money differently than we do. You know, the woman with the, with the, that didn't have anything, she gave everything she had, it was two pennies, two mites, two pennies. She gave 100%. And the rich people looked at it and said, man, she didn't give nothing, man. I gave, I gave $1,000 and she gave two pennies. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody. So God's view of finances, that's why you study the Word. God's view of finances uh, are quite a bit different from the way we view them, especially with our Western culture. Slide four. Um, one of the major tests, and I guess you know you can't come to biblical finance class without hearing about tithing, uh, but one of the big tests uh, is tithing. It deals with the love of money. Malachi and, and everybody, when, when they do get on money, they go to Malachi 3 and 8. So I can't be ne negligent in teaching tonight without going through this because this is really a pretty strong uh, little section here. It says, will a man rob God? Yea, yet ye say, uh, but yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Because you don't know you're robbing God because you're ignorant. If you don't know the Word, you don't know, Chase. In tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that they may be meat in my house and prove uh, me and prove me, test me, prove me. Saith the Lord, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not devour the fruits of your ground. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Everybody around you gets the, uh, gets the COVID or loses their job, and you keep your job. Everybody around you gets the, uh, uh, down south in the cotton field, it was the beetle, chews up all their cotton. And your, and your cotton is doing perfect. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall you, your vine cast her fruit before its time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a, a delightsome uh, land, saith the Lord of hosts. I can't add to that. I mean, I could, there, there's a lot that we could dig into and discuss. But do you understand what he's saying there? Bring me the first fruit. Bring me the tithe. Don't rob me. You rob me, you're going to be in trouble. You don't rob me, you're going to get blessed. That's how simple this thing is. Uh, when, when, you're, when you're not obeying uh, God's Word, then it's easy to say, I am doing right. I'm not robbing God. Nobody in this room would raise their hand and say they're robbing God. I don't think. Well, maybe you would, Avery. <laughs> Nobody would, nobody, that's why, that's because nobody thinks they are. You know why? Because we're in a Western culture and we're trained by this old world system. <clears throat> Any comments? All right, I'll move on. I knew this would be hard. This is slide number five. This is pretty strong, too. It's still in the, uh, this is, well, I'm in Proverbs 3 9. Honor the Lord with thy wealth and with thy first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now that's not just, that, that is a principle. That's just not talking about if uh, the people in here who have farms, then uh, the first fruit of your produce. Don't, don't isolate that down to the farmers. That's not a scripture for farmers. That's a scripture for everybody. Okay? Okay. Uh -huh. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Okay, if you, um, if you are a car salesman, the first fruits of your produce would be the, the, the commission that you made off the first car that month. That's the first fruit of your produce. It doesn't have to be tomatoes to be produce. So, um, <clears throat> not only are we to make sure that God's first fruit gets to Him, we are to be diligent and be good stewards of what He leaves us and blesses us with. To recap the two main points so far, number one, God is serious about your money. Number two, tithes belong to the Lord. First fruit. Alright. Slide number six. Is it moving now, Philip? No, what's this contrary? It's just contrary. Third, third major point. Proverbs 10 and 4. A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Who wants to be rich? Jim and T-Bone. That's, that's y'all want to be medium. Y'all don't want to be rich. Y'all raise your hand like this. T-Bone's kind of a little bit higher than that. A slack hand, what is that talking about? Goofing off, lazy, plays Xbox all night. Uh, uh, sleeps in uh, on Saturday when he could be up working a, a job or, or doing a ministry. But the hand of the diligent makes what? Rich. Diligent, I looked it up. Uh, industrious, hardworking. Careful, attentive, dedicated, committed, untiring, driven. Look at your mirror. Is that describing you? If it is, and you follow the other principles, is where you'll be. If you if you're the if you're the slack guy, you're not gonna you're not gonna you. Know, this is. When it comes to biblical finances, is as applicable to the uh, reap what you sow principle as as anything. It, it, same way with your health. If all you do is eat sugar and um, and drink um, coke or beer or whiskey, and you don't ever eat any good protein, and then your health is going to suffer for it. It's just supply and demand. It's uh, reap and sow. It's what you put in. It's what you put out. So, reap, uh, reaping and sowing is a biblical principle that applies to finances. Proverbs uh, 11.28 says, He that trusteth in his riches shall fail or fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. So, when you get here, when you do accumulate some things and you start trusting in them, instead of trusting in the Lord, you're going to fall. Okay. So once you're successful, you've got to continue with your relationship with the Lord. You can't start being prideful or arrogant and forget who brought you there. Proverbs 16, uh, 22, 16. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth the, uh, to the rich shall surely come to want. So when you run a business and you oppress the poor, you say, man, I, I, I know I should be. That guy's worth Forty dollars an hour, and I'm going to pay him eleven, and and he ought to be happy with that. You're oppressing that man. Pay him what he's worth. God will bless you for it. God will bless you for it. Sometimes you think you're winning when you get over on somebody, and you're not winning. Uh, ask yourself, would it please God? It, it, he looks at the two mics different than you do, Chase. <laughs> he looks at he looks at the way you deal with people and the way you treat people different than the way you do. In America, if you can get something for nothing, you know, that culture. I can remember my daddy when I was in the first grade. I came home with a piece of paper. I couldn't read, so I didn't know what it said. And it was, uh, he looked at it, and he got, uh, he got mad. He just kind of threw it in the trash. He said, don't bring that home. I didn't know. I, I thought I messed up. I guess I did. I did what the teacher told me. But it was uh, a paper about free lunch, it says if you meet certain criteria, you can have free lunch. Well, my dad was a Marine Corps. You know, back then, people didn't want handouts. They didn't want something for nothing. Now, everybody wants something for nothing. Uh, that's all changed in the last 50 years. Um, 
You want to you make your own way. You want to you work hard. Uh, God gave Adam work before He gave him a wife. Put him in the garden, told him to dress it. Genesis 2. Didn't, he didn't give him a wife until the end of Genesis 2. Alright. Slide number 7. Is this all making sense? These principles work. These principles work, guys. I, uh, I don't think you're going to prove the Scriptures wrong. The Lord has instructed us to be led by His Spirit. Uh, Romans 8.14 It is His will that we be diligent on our jobs and diligent in hearing and obeying Him. Diligent in hearing the voice of God. Matthew 6.31-33 says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? The Gentiles do that, but your Heavenly Father know that you need these things. And uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, as God calls you into ministries, and you've got to decide what to do uh, with your golf time and your work time, you've got, to, you've got to follow the hand of God and put those ministries first, and seek ye first the kingdom of God if you want God to supply your needs. If God calls you, uh, T-Bone, to go to do a revival, and you've got... Uh, a softball tournament, you know, there's, there, you know, there's no question. There's no, there should be no question in your mind. Go do the revival. God's ministry comes first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're talking about all these things. We're talking about finances included in that, okay? No one can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus said that. Anybody disagree with it? You cannot serve God and money. One of them is going to be your God. Four quick biblical examples of some pretty good spirit-led right behavior. I gave you some bad behavior, and I like to look at both sides of the coin. Let's look at some good behavior. We had a guy named Abram. Was he blessed? He ends up uh, being Abraham, changed his name, and he uh, uh, was a super wealthy man, ended up the father of all the nation of Israel. I would say he was a blessed man. Well, he goes out uh, and he wins a, wins a war with his 318 men that were his trained servants, and he slaughtered Chirlama, and he rescued Lot, his nephew, <clears throat> and he's coming back from that battle. And Y'all know how bad Sodom and Gomorrah was. Well, the king of Sodom came out and wanted to give him pay him for his for his fighting and 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 to, to give him some money and stuff. And Genesis 14, 22, 23 says, And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a th- thread even to a shoe latchet that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I made Abraham rich. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) He's got this victory. God gave him the victory. And now this guy who's running the the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is just a a gar hole, comes out, tries to pay him, and Abraham said, "I'm I'm not taking anything from you. He's led the Spirit. He knew that he didn't want to be associated with with uh, the king of Sodom. Then we have Job. The whole book of Job, the entire book of Job is about <coughs> testing somebody when they lose their stuff. It's a, if you stand back from a 10,000 foot perspective, what did, what did Job say? Naked I came and naked I'm going to leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, and, uh, and uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And so he, he had his priorities right. He had his understanding right. He had his relationship with God, right? And he understood that if God wanted him rich, he'd be rich. Because he was going to be a hard worker. He was going to be diligent. He was going to uh, trust in the Lord. And he and he uh, he passed the test. Very successful. And he, he wouldn't curse God and die, even when his wife came to him. Sometimes your wives don't have the best advice. I know we're, I know we're being recorded here. I'll get in trouble for that one. <laughs> But his wife came up to him and said, why don't you uh, just curse God and die? But he was led of the Spirit. He didn't didn't heed his wife's advice. He told her she talked like a fool. Third one was Christ Himself. 
Can you imagine 40 days of fasting? No food. And I don't even think he had water. 40 days. Supernatural. Don't, don't try that. Don't try that at home. Uh, no food, no water for 40 days. And the devil comes up and offers him all the glitz and glamour, Hollywood, all the kingdoms of this world if he would just bow. If you, man, that's, that's easy, right? Just bow down. That's all I got to do. And I get all of this. Get land and gold and silver and popularity and fame and all this stuff. What did Jesus tell him? No way. No way. Not doing it. Tempt me if you want to. Is there temptations out there? Is there uh, how about uh, gambling? Temptations. How about uh, uh, stealing? You know. How about selling drugs? You know, we're living in a day where the where the the criminals are making you know ten thousand dollars a week, and the cops are trying to arrest them and are making five hundred a week. So uh, a lot of stuff goes on. The fourth guy, I think this guy was pretty successful in life. <clears throat> Peter was offered money by Simon the sorcerer. You know what he got offered money for? Give me the ability that whoever I lay hands on will receive the Holy Ghost. <laughs> see? Your spiritual, see that, that temptation and that money and that greed can bleed over into your ministry. Uh, and it has. A lot of people that started out, preachers are now... Um, uh, positive speakers and a lot of singers that started out anointed gospel singers are now cutting records for Hollywood and for RCA. Who does records now? I don't know. <laughs> RCA? Motown? <laughs> I don't know anything about that. So here's Peter. He's, he's laying hands on people that are getting the Holy Ghost and here comes Simon the sorcerer and says, give me money that whoever I lay hands on but you gotta you gotta know right from wrong, and you know you gotta know what pleases God and what displeases God. And so, what does Simon tell him? Your heart's not right. You you better repent, or you're gonna you're gonna bust hell wide open. That's what he tells him. And so, uh, you're gonna perish. You and your money are gonna perish. So to recap, four main points: God's very serious about your money. Uh, ties belong to God. And we got into the first fruit. Thirdly, diligence is needed. Diligence, work hard, conscientious. Uh, fourth, being led by the Spirit is needed. You got to know what's right, what's wrong. Hear the voice of God. Uh, put seek ye first the kingdom of God. Slide number eight. Dave Ramsey. Uh, Dave Ramsey has developed uh, five steps to win with money. Now I'm going to just run through his five steps, but I'm going to put a little bit of Bible Scripture with each one of them to show you that he didn't just come up with this out of his brain. He used biblical principles for these uh, win with money steps here. Number one, you need a written plan or a budget. If you fail to plan, you're really planning to fail. If you fail to plan, you're really planning to fail. Luke 14, 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether it be enough to complete it? What is that? That's a budget. <laughs> right? If you were going to go build a tower, which one of you would, would start without sitting down and figuring out if you had enough money or not? Don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> you're the ones I'm talking to. <laughs> Proverbs 21 and 5 in the Amplified Bible the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage, but everyone who acts in haste comes surely to poverty. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance and advantage, but if you're not diligent and you're hasty, then you're coming to poverty. So the first step in his five steps is you must have a written plan. Nobody likes to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that. Go to the bank and try to start a business. What do they want? A business plan. They want, do they want it verbal? <laughs> no. 
They want it in writing. Number two, you must get out of debt. <clears throat> Romans 8, 13. Oh, no man anything. That's pretty good advice, isn't it, Karen? <laughs> oh, no man anything but to love one another, that he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So, get out of debt. And you can't really do number two if you don't do number one because these are all kind of connected to each other. <clears throat> number three, live on less than you make. <clears throat> live on less than you make. Philippians 4.11 says, <clears throat> Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Live on less than you make. 1 Timothy 6, 8. And having food and raiment, let us therefore be content. Okay? Well, I make $5,000 a month. I want to spend $5,000 a month. Or some people with their credit cards want to spend six when they make five. <laughs> There's some big money drains. Y'all want me to help you with them? <coughs> Vehicles. Dave Ramsey says, buy low mileage and um, keep them well maintained. Houses. Do you want to be in a prestigious neighborhood or do you want to follow these principles? Eating out all the time. Oh, man, but that's so much fun. You don't have to cook. You don't have to wash dishes. Man, man, that's, I like that. Too many clothes and shoes. That was more for the girls. <laughs> and too expensive clothes. Expensive vacations. Expensive hobbies. Impulse buying, not praying and planning ahead. Starbucks. I know. Well, that's where you like to go. I'm not talking about what you like. I'm talking about do you want to succeed financially? Do you want to... <laughs> One of those faces that they could kill. <laughs> it's okay. It's, guess what? You still got a choice. I'm just the informant. I'm just telling you how to, how to, get, how to get there. I drink Kroger's coffee. It's $5 for, uh, for a, gallon, a gallon jug of it. Okay. <clears throat> Repairs. With YouTube, you can do a lot of DIY. Y'all know what DIY is? Do it yourself. Do not compete with the Joneses. Do not compete with the Kardashians. Uh, remember, pride goes before destruction. So... If you've got to have these emblems, and I wear clothes that have those emblems on them too, but my wife usually buys all that stuff. If it's got to be, uh, tell me a brand that's uh, Izod, I don't know, uh, Tony Hilfiger. If it's got to be a certain, because that's what everybody else is wearing, they're laughing. So Adidas, about Adidas back there. <laughs> if it's got to be a brand because everybody else in your class is wearing it, then you're being driven by peer pressure. You're not being driven by the principles of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Everybody still love me? I'm just trying to help you. Number four, save money. And here, This is Dave Ramsey. Listen to this. 100% of people that do not save money do not have any. <laughs> I love it. Did you hear that, Marie? That is a statistical truth. That is a hundred percent of people that do not save money do not have any. A hundred percent of millionaires save money. Proverbs six six says, "Go to the ant, a n t, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, no overseer or ruler, provideth her meat." in the summer, and gathereth their food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as, a, as one that traveleth, 
and thou want and thy want as an armed man. That's bad when God's got to point us to an insect. <laughs> that's, a, that's an insult to humanity right there. When God's got to point us at an ant to tell us how to handle our finances. <laughs> Proverbs 21.20, Amplified Bible. There is precious treasure and all in the house of the wise who prepare for the future. But a short-sighted and foolish man swallows it up and wastes it. Part of savings, uh, by the way, I'll just throw this in. If your employer has a 401k and they're matching, you need to contribute to it and get all the match that you can get. That is probably the best mechanism right now for, for savings is this 401k plan. Number five, give away money. You'd say, man, you're confusing me. <laughs> You're confusing me. You told me to save, and now you're telling me to give it away. Acts 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. That works. Still works. It's been 2,000 years. It still works. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So, you know, when I was a kid, we, we used to use those bushel baskets. You, you folks are too young. Y'all probably don't know what a bushel basket is. Bushel basket, you know, and we filled it with corn when we picked it or peas or whatever. And uh, so I can just picture that. The way you get, if I, if I brought you a bushel basket full and then Bob says, what I'm going to get back is that bushel basket. But it's like somebody got on it and smashed it down, pressed it down and just filled it just about three times as full as the one I gave her, see? Because that's the way it's going to come back to me. It's going to come back to me running over, spilling out of that old bushel basket. And then uh, slide number nine, we're almost there, guys. Y'all can breathe easy. I'm not going to punish you much longer. But it works. God's principles work. A budget. They're all spelled out there on your PowerPoint. Total all your income up, your monthly income. Do, do your written budget uh, on a monthly basis. Total all your expenses Subtract the two and come down with your disposable income. So your all your money coming in minus all your bills uh, on a on a monthly basis. If you bring in five thousand, you spend uh, four thousand. Then your disposable income is a thousand. So that's that's two that's three numbers that you come up with in one, two, and three. Adjust the expenses to the point that you're spending less than you're making. Review your cable services, your monthly subscriptions, your cell phone bills, etc. Keep on adjusting until you, your income exceeds your expenditures by the amount that you want to save. This is where you'll carve out some of your Starbucks trips and some of your expensive clothes buying and your shoes. You're, you, you're going to have to add on to your house if your wife keeps buying those shoes, I'm telling you. <clears throat> uh, number six, check grocery prices at various stores. Uh, nowadays, we can do that online, I think. Use coupons. Number seven, from step two, less adjustments, you decide in step four, start monitoring regularly. Once you've established what you want to save every month, then start uh, monitoring it to make sure you're doing it. That's what a budget is. You measure expect, expected results to the actual results. What gets measured gets done. Be diligent. Any extra money should go to repay debt early or to savings. Although I do not believe in the prosperity preaching, our Bible, uh, our television preachers and uh, teach us, and I do not believe God wants us in bondage. Uh, the prosperity doctrine tells you that just trust God and 
Send your money into them on the TV set and, and you'll be wealthy. Um, I believe it's diligence and hard work and being led by the Spirit. Uh, I think we can get there, but I think we, our human nature is that well, give me the shortcut, give me the easy way. There is no easy way. You know, godly people don't play lottery. And so I, I, I'd like to win the lottery, but it's hard when you don't buy a ticket. <laughs> so there is no easy. Forget the easy way. Forget the government bailing you out. Make up your mind. I'm the boss, and I'm going to work hard. Be like Joseph. Everything he touched turned to gold. Be like Jacob in the Bible. Everything he touched was prospered. It was just their, their personality, their hard work, their attitude. They said yes or no, sir. They respected people. They looked up to their elders. They looked people in the eyeball when they met them. They took care of their boss when their boss needed something, and God gave them promotions. That's the kind of lifestyle that God blesses and that men will bless. Uh, PowerPoint number 10. Finally, I'll tell you, find out what God instructs you to do. We covered a lot of that tonight. Trust in the Lord and follow the plan. If you know and you don't trust, then you're not going to follow. Right? If I, if I don't believe that God is because that's what Scripture says, taste and see or try me, you know, God challenges us. Try me and see. Uh, give it three months. Say, I'm going to do it God's way for three months and see if I'm really... Because I, I heard Jeff Arnold say one time, he said, uh, it, it's really hard in America to convince people that, that they can make a dollar and they can give a dime of it to the church and that that 90 cents buys more than that dollar would have if they hadn't given it. It's hard to convince people of that. But he said, that flat tire that, that, that you had... And that uh, broken down dishwasher, and that you know, he says, he says sometimes when you when you're doing right and you're trusting God, those things just don't happen. And he said, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know how to put it out there in, in in an equation for you, but you'll have more and you'll be blessed by God with that ninety cents than you than you will be by stealing from God and robbing God and 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 keeping that dollar. That's the truth. That's the truth. And in that same message, he says, um, God's Word don't make sense. It makes saints. See, a lot of things in God's Word doesn't make sense. Not to the natural mind. But God's Word makes saints. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to close with that. I'm going to read you one more verse, two more verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. In Isaiah 26, 3, Thou wilt keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because He trusteth in thee. So trust is a whole different topic, but you will never obey and follow God's plan if you don't trust Him. Okay? Trust is beyond faith. You've got to trust God. Uh, when Peter got out of that boat, there was some trust going on. <laughs> when Jesus said, come, Peter said, if it be you, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus said, one word, come. And Peter climbed out of that boat. I promise you, there was some trust happening in his, between his right ear and his left ear. Lord, thank you for your word. Help us not to be poor. Help us to be rich, but rich uh, in pleasing you, rich in... Uh, our knowledge, our understanding, uh, the way we handle people, the way we handle our jobs. pray that we would be diligent, that we would be pleasing to you. I pray your blessings, bless the health and the finances of each of these people that have heard your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.